In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, whenever God does anything great, he almost always does it through someone else. God loves to use instruments. He loves to use human instruments for the working of his works on this earth. For instance, he, when he brings new children into this world, he does it through the father and the mother. When he gives graces to souls, he does it through the ministrations of a human priest in the sacraments. The sacraments are not valid unless they're done by a priest. When he led the people of Israel out of Egypt into the desert, he did it through Moses. And then when he led them into the promised land, he did it through Joshua. So God loves to do good through human instruments, through very, very weak instruments. We are, we are very weak and poor instruments to use. Like if you used a banana to pound a nail, it wouldn't be a very effective instrument. But we, are, we are like that in relation to the almighty power of God, very weak instruments. And what God does, because he's such a good father, is he confers upon weak instruments. He actually gives them a power which they do not have of themselves so that he can use them. He gives to us, for instance, the, the, the power of grace, sanctifying grace that elevates us to the supernatural level that makes us capable of doing divine things, of doing things that are worthy of heaven. How good God is to, to do this. How good God is to, to not do everything himself. You know how micromanagers are. We don't like micromanagers because they, they feel like they've got to do everything themselves. They, control freaks. They, they, they really want to, to manage everything themselves. They don't want to delegate anything. God is not like that. God gives to his creatures power to do things, to do the good, to do his good. He works through them. This is how a good father works. A good father wants to confer upon his children, not to do everything for his children, but to confer upon his children the capacity to do the same things that he does. And this is how God works with us. And you must not think that, that God only does that with the great figures of Scripture or the great figures of human history. God does this with everybody including you. He wants to use you as an instrument for the accomplishment of good in this life. First of all, he gives to you an immortal soul. And he, he, he confines that to you. And he gives you the use of your own soul. And he wants to work through you so that you can save your own soul, so that you can go to heaven. He wants to give you in infinite happiness to you in heaven, but only through you using your soul as you ought. So he gives you the power through sanctifying grace so that you can use your soul so as to get to heaven. That's what he does with, with everybody. Perhaps God has also made you an instrument for the good in other ways. Perhaps um, you are the, the mother or father of children. He's confided these lives to you. And it's He's, he wants to work through you, through what you do, so that your children will get to heaven. He makes you the primary instrument for the salvation of the souls of the children that he has given to you. He doesn't do everything himself. He counts on you. 
He, he, he trusts you, that, that you will do what is necessary to lead your children to heaven. Perhaps he's given you a position of influence over others and has asked you to be an example of goodness and virtue to them. But the point is that, that all of us are meant to be instruments for God in this life. That, that God is always there, willing, ready to, to make use of us, to influence us, so that he can confer goodness upon others through us. That's quite simply how God works. He loves to use instruments, including us. Today, I would really like to focus on one thing that's particularly necessary for us to be instruments of God. Once, once we, we sort of do this reflection and say, well, no, maybe God does want to work through me. Maybe God does has, have plans for me, that, that he's going to do things through me. What is the one, one of the most important things so that I can be that instrument of God? And that important thing is the virtue of fidelity. Fidelity. Fidelity is a question of living up to our promises. You know that when you tell the truth, you say with your mouth what is in your mind. What you say with your mouth corresponds to what is in your mind. Fidelity is like that. Fidelity is like truth in action. It's where you do with your actions what you said with your mouth. So, so truth is where what you say corresponds to what you're thinking, and fidelity is what you do corresponds to what you said. I said I was going to do this. I made a promise. I made a vow. I said, I pledge myself to do such and such. And then I am faithful when I actually do that, when I follow through. I execute what I said I was going to do. Think about the marriage vows, where each spouse says, I take thee so-and-so as my lawful husband or my lawful wife to have and to hold from this day forward in sickness or health, in richer or poor, until death do us part. That's what you say, and that's different from actually doing it. To, to be faithful, you have to live the rest of your life being faithful to this other person. That's the execution of those words, that promise, that pledge, that vow that's given. It's similar to a priest on the day of ordination. He, he folds his hands and, and he puts his hands in the hands of the bishop and he looks him in the face and the, the, and the bishop says to him, do you promise obedience to me and my, and my successors? And he has to say, promito, I promise. I promise. He's, he's, he's marrying Holy Mother Church. He's giving his life to Holy Mother Church, and he's, he's making the promise with his mouth on that day that he's going to be faithful to Holy Mother Church for the rest of his life. To be faithful, he has to execute that promise. He has to live it in his deeds, in his life. Perhaps the most important promises we make, and we need to be faithful to, are, are the promises we make at our baptism. You know, at our baptism, we we, we make baptismal vows. We speak of them as baptismal vows, where, where we say that we renounce Satan in all his works, in all his pomps. And we go on to say that we believe in God, the Father Almighty, and his Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints, forgiveness of sins. We, we say we, we believe in all these things, and, and we pledge ourselves to be faithful to those things. 
to, to those vows. I'm faithful to this renunciation of Satan. Don't want to be on his side. And I do want to be on the side of God. We know how promises are becoming cheaper and cheaper in our modern world. People are less and less stable. People are less and less faithful. So promise, words, words are often uh, very, very inexpensive today. They're, they're, they're cheap. They're, they're not valued as much as they used to be because promises are, are difficult. People are finding it more difficult to keep today. And as such, um, I, I think we need to value the virtue of fidelity more than ever before. As, as the price of promises goes down, promises are cheaper and cheaper, the value of fidelity goes up. And I want to encourage you especially in this virtue of fidelity by giving you an example of a saint who was a beautiful example of, of fidelity in his life. And this is the saint whose feast day we celebrated yesterday, St. John the Baptist. St. John the Baptist, a beautiful, wonderful example of this virtue of fidelity. What is striking about St. John is he was given a lifelong mission even before he was conceived in the womb, before he even existed. God had assigned a mission to him and had told his father, Zachary, about this mission. And then when when St. John came into this life and he was told that, that before he was even conceived, before he even existed, God had chosen you for this work. And St. John pledged himself to fulfill that mission. He pledged himself to be this precursor of the Messiah, this prophet who would go and announce the coming of the Messiah. And he lived a life perfectly and utterly faithful to that. We don't know at what point of his life St. John the Baptist committed himself to to living that, that reality. But surely there was some point where he said, I pledge myself to embrace this mission, to be, for the rest of my life, this precursor of the Messiah. And then he went on and he fulfilled it in spite of various obstacles that were there to his fidelity. There were many things that could have derailed St. John's commitment, and there are the same sort of things that, that might lead us to lose our souls, to abandon our baptismal vows. I just especially want to point out three things. We think, of, we think to ourselves, okay, what are some things that, that might happen to me that would lead me to abandon my baptismal vows, that would be, lead me to be unfaithful to our Lord Jesus Christ, that would lead me to be a bad instrument such that I would not save my own soul or I, I would not lead those entrusted me to heaven? What are some things that might happen? Well, we can, we can look at this life of St. John the Baptist. And as I say, I think I want to point out three things that could have led him to be unfaithful to his mission, his difficult mission of being a prophet, but which did not. First of all, the difficulty of the mission that was given to him. The angel Gabriel said to Zachary that he will not drink any strong drink. He's going to have to be a teetotaler for, for the whole of his life. No alcohol for the whole of his life. And this indicated that, that his life was going to be very austere, very mortified. St. John the Baptist realized this, and he didn't say, oh man, this is going to be so hard. I can't believe that I'm going to have to do these things. It's going to be too tough. I don't want to do it. He didn't say that. 
He, he totally embraced that life of mortification. He, he even went, went out to the desert. Um, it says he, he wore camel skins. He, he ate locust and honey. Um, he, he did not drink any alcohol. Um, he totally embraced this mortified life. And there wasn't at a certain point when, when he said to himself, well, I mean, maybe, maybe he, he could have been tempted, certainly could have been tempted at certain times. He's like, like, wow, this is really tough. This is a tough life. But whenever that temptation came, he persevered. He kept going. So too for us. I mean, there's difficulties for us. Living our Catholic life is difficult. We, 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 we can't indulge in, in these sexual pleasures, unlawful sexual pleasures. Um, we, we, we have to go to Mass on Sunday. We, we have to observe the, the moral law. We have to, you know, we're supposed to, to uh, abstain from, from meat on, on Fridays and, and, and do Lent and there's all these things that, that we are expected to do as Catholics to match up with our baptismal vows. We have to be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ, above all things. And it's difficult. It's difficult. It's a test of our fidelity. The second thing was that, that St. John faced that could have been a temptation to be unfaithful to his mission was the world. He was very popular. He was famous. He was an incredible preacher. His preaching went viral, as we would say today. So that people flocked to him. Thousands of people flocked to him. Like, oh, wow, you're so great. Are you the Messiah? And he could have told them anything, and they would have followed him. He could have easily used his power and his influence and his fame and his glory for his own purposes. We see this so many times today, how people become unfaithful to others as soon as they become famous and popular. Somehow, becoming famous is, is, is quite often a source for becoming corrupt and be, becoming unfaithful to, to those who are near and dear to you. It's repeated many times, Hollywood stars, sports stars, um, rock stars, whatever, that's not what happened to St. John. His head was not at all turned from his purposes by the fact that, that he became famous. But how easy is it, is, is it for us? It's just a little whisper from the world. The world says, hey, what about this to turn you away from, from Jesus Christ? How about this that you can do? It's a mortal sin, yes. You will lose a state of grace, but it will make you happy. Or it will give you this pleasure. or It will give you whatever. How easy it is for us to, to be unfaithful to our Lord for something very little, not even fame and glory that the world gives us. The third thing that, that could have turned St. John the Baptist away from his fidelity to his mission as precursor to the Messiah, and which could turn us away from our Lord, cause us to be unfaithful to our Lord, was the tragedy that, that entered into his life. You, you, you know how, how St. John the Baptist, he um, was, was this very famous preacher, and suddenly he was arrested, and he was thrown into prison by Herod, by King Herod. He's there in prison. He, he no longer has this following. He no longer has this, this preaching that he's able to do in the public. He's in, he's in some dungeon, um, and he doesn't know if, if he's going to be executed at any minute. Wouldn't that be a temptation 
for him to be unfaithful to our Lord if he was looking for the wrong thing. If, if he was saying to himself, well, from, from all that I've done, I, I, I would like to have, I would like to keep this recognition, or I'd like to have a comfortable life, or I, w- I would like to have these certain amenities that, that should come to a prophet, or what have you. But, but again, what, what's so admirable about St. John the Baptist is he's completely and utterly fixed on our Lord. He understood that, that our Lord must increase and he must de- decrease. He was okay with being thrown in prison. He was even okay with losing his life. He, he was ready even to give his life for our Lord. How far are we willing to go in our fidelity to our Lord? What if something happens to us? It's, it's very, very difficult. I mean, please God, I don't, I don't want it to happen, but, but it can happen. It can happen. What if our, if our spouse is, is unfaithful to us? What if there is a death, a sudden death in the family? Some, someone someone is, is, is taken away from us unexpectedly. What if, what if I lose my job? I'm no longer able to support myself. How will I react? How will this influence my fidelity to my baptismal vows, my fidelity to our Lord. Will I be as strong as St. John the Baptist and say, well, if, if, I have, if I have God, that is enough for me in this life. That is sufficient for me. I will not become bitter. I will, I will not turn away from our Lord. I will simply seek to remain in the state of grace, remain, maintain this friendship with our Lord, and all will be well. So, my dear faithful, this fidelity is one of the most beautiful virtues, and as I say, even more admirable today in 2023, because there's so much unfaithfulness. People are so untrustworthy today. The fidelity that we are able to give to our Lord is more precious today than it was in the past. And we have, we have the graces necessary, and, and if, if, we are, if we are faithful to God, it's almost like God... Um, he gives us more. He, he makes us more of an instrument of the good. The more faithful you are to him in your life, the more he's going to use you for the good, for the good of others, to accomplish his mission. Recall that, that Our Lady is called the Virgin Most Faithful in her litany, and that she was one of the greatest instruments, if not the greatest instrument of God as a result. The Virgin Most Faithful it was through her that St. John the Baptist was, was sanctified in his womb. He was prepared for his mission because the gospel says it was, it was at her word. When, as soon as Elizabeth heard the greeting of Our Lady, it's that, when, that time when, when St. John the Baptist leapt in her womb. and He was, he was sanctified from original sin and he was, he was made uh, ready for, for his mission to be the precursor. So let us pray to Our Lady and to St. John, especially that we may be faithful to God until the end of our days. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.